welcome to the Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part one of Summer Days, where Alan and I will be curating side A of a mixtape, capturing the spirit of those lazy, crazy, hazy days. I think I messed up the order of that. Yeah. It's those lazy, <laughs> hazy, crazy there you go. days. Welcome back, Alan. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, already a Nat King Cole uh, reference. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Um, yeah, no, th- this playlist, this is... I don't know how you approached it coming in, but this is, to me, it's just a summer vibe. It's just, you know, the R&R lazing on a sunny afternoon and and just, you know, enjoying the the sun with maybe a cold beverage in your hand. That's kind of what I was going for coming in. Yeah, I had a difficult time because I I couldn't really nail down my criteria. If I can nail down my criteria, then it usually goes pretty easily for me, but this time... It wasn't. Um, I finally decided to focus on songs that capture what I consider to be the spirit of yeah. summer, which I know is really abstract, but that's about as best <laughs> as I could do. Yeah, I, I'm... Oh, sorry, you had a hard time with that. Well, I, but what is the spirit of summer? I mean, there there's so many different directions uh, you yeah, can take it. you could. And, and, and here's what well, here's what concerned me the most, is because in order to have a, have a cohesive show, okay, our, our, our songs need to be similar in theme. Uh, but we don't like to reveal each other's choices, obviously, because that's part of the fun is, is revealing each other's choices on the show. And so um, I just didn't want to I didn't want to go one direction and have yours go a completely different direction and just have them at odds with each other. So I think mine was generic enough in a good way that it will fit with whatever direction you decided to take. OK, well, that's fair enough. I um, my mine are pretty straightforward um, for the most part. I, th- there are a couple of songs that. Um, you know, to to repeat what you just said, to me they represent summer and they they have that feel, even though they may not be summer specific. Um, one is is by the Beach Boys, no less. I, I I almost did not include them because I could not find a song that truly met you know the criteria I was working with, but I couldn't justify not putting the Beach Boys on a summer mixtape. <laughs> so um, the one that I chose. Um, I don't know. It, it's definitely a classic, but whether or not it's summer specific yeah, remains to be seen. Well, I, I brought back a lot of rejected uh, face-off songs from last season Okay, when we did our summer episodes. So we're going to see if they make the show this season or nice. not. Nice. Okay. And, and and my titles don't all have summer in the title, by the way. I no, don't know my, if that's mine, what... mine don't either. A lot of them do, but but not all of them. Actually, I, I don't know that... Mine, I have a lot of sun or sunshine. I don't know that I have a whole lot of summer titles. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, making this list, see, now I'm I'm really curious what, what what you brought in. Because making this list, I, side A, I think I'm good, largely. But side B, once I get to side B, I, almost every song I'm thinking, if not a match, definitely an artist match. So... Yeah, we, we'll definitely have some artist matches, yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it's inevitable. So. And I lost all of them last year. <laughs> so we'll what, see. You, you always defer to me. I, well, I, 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 I'll have to go back and listen to it. Somehow Kokomo ended up on a playlist <laughs> over top of my Beach Boys pick, but we'll see. Well, in fairness, though, I know, you, I know you, you're not <laughs> a fan of Mike Love's Beach Boys, but no. um, that, that song, whoa, that was the... Was that the Sand and Surf? I think it was, yes, yeah. yes. I mean, 
like it or not, that that song is no. I know. You know I, I appeal to the to the mass yeah. to the masses on that one. But no, you do. You defer to me a lot when we have an artist match. Well, you, well, here put it this way: if if it's something I really, really, really believe in, I'll fight for it. If it's a toss up, if you're you know if I if your choice works just as well and and it's something I like, then that's so, fine. I don't mind deferring. So the, the Josie Peg. Yeah, yeah, know, exactly. Example. Yeah, in fact, I had both episode. of them on my list, and I couldn't decide. So yeah. that's easy to defer. Okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I it just feels good to be in the summer months. Yes. So uh, hopefully, folks, this is a mixtape. Uh, when you listen to the playlist on Spotify, this is something you can throw back and just enjoy the summer afternoon while listening to to the music. So. All right, and I think it's your your yeah your pick. Yep, I go first. Well, this was the hardest decision of my entire list because I could not decide which song to to use. I went back and forth and I mean I at one point I had uh, one song on my list for for days at a time then I'd scrap it and pull the other and I kept going back and forth and back and forth. I'm talking about the Beatles and the one that I chose in the end is actually not my favorite of the two because Here Comes the Sun is without question one of my top five Beatles tunes. I did not go with Here Comes the Sun. I ended up instead choosing Good Day Sunshine. Oh, I was thinking I'll follow the sun, but oh, Good Day Sunshine's another yeah, good one. I'll yeah, I'll follow the sun, Sun King. Yeah, yeah. I, there are a, lot, a few. A lot of sun songs. Yeah. yeah, but no, I went Good Day Sunshine. Um, and and largely it's for just that more up-tempo uh, feel because a lot of my songs get get slower no, that's a great on, song. On mixtape um, comes from Revolver, 1960, uh, 1966. Arguably, arguably the greatest it, Beatles album. It ever. is not my favorite, but without question, the greatest. I mean, it's it's another like like we talked about with with Asia, um, you know, on the on the girls' names mixtape. Uh, it it's just the, another one of those perfect albums. It, to me, it's the Beatles' pet sound. A lot of people say Sgt. Pepper, which is also a great album, but I think Revolver is was the beginning of, of, of greatness. Well, it certainly was the beginning of the, the band splintering and, and allowing each member to kind of do his own thing. Um, you know, before that, it was Paul and John and their egos keeping especially George in check. So, um, but yeah, I which again, I didn't go with Harrison's tune, went with McCartney's. But um, all right, so let, let's talk about Good Day Sunshine. Um, first of all, before I get to the song itself, you know, I, I want to take just a moment to talk about its genesis because the story actually begins in Greenwich Village in 1964 when John Sebastian and Zalianowski formed The Love and Spoonful. Um, they signed to Kama Sutra Records and the young band, they, they worked with producer Eric Jacobson. They released their first single in July of 1965. That track was titled Do You Believe in Magic? which I believe you used for our magic episode. That is correct. Last season. Um, it was an immediate hit. It reached number nine on the Hot 100, and then a string of successful songs soon followed, including You Didn't Have to Be So Nice, Did You Ever Have to Make Up Your Mind, another uh, song that would work for our next uh, mixtape, and finally Summer in the City, which I almost used, except it goes into, of course, Summer Nights, so right. that, that was scrapped from my, my choice, my my criteria. Um, but across the pond, the Beatles were paying attention and, and, you know, they soon became big fans of the band. So on a bright and sunny day in 1966, 
Paul was at John's home in Surrey when the two heard the Love and Spoonful's newest single called Daydream play on the radio. And inspired by the carefree, upbeat tune, McCartney decided he wanted to write something in the same spirit as the Love and Spoonful's Daydream. So it was not long before he had completed the task, actually. The result was Good Day Sunshine. Um, and, you know, Revolver, it is. It's considered a, a masterpiece, not just by us, but by critics and fans alike. Uh, Rolling Stone ranks it at number three on its list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Um, the album's release, though, it, it took place midway through an unusually hot summer in the U.K., and it followed Time Magazine's recognition of London as the swinging city of international youth culture, a, phenom- a phenomenon in which the Beatles really played the principal role, and it coincided with an atmosphere of national celebration. So, according to author Howard Soons, uh, this is Soons' quote, the sun seemed to shine every day during the summer of 66. English music and youth style was applauded. The England soccer team won the World Cup. And the Beatles' Revolver was the soundtrack album of the season. So, as for the song itself, though, Good Day Sunshine received heaps of praise from critics everywhere. And how could it not? The track radiates optimism and good vibes, even by the high standards the Beatles themselves set in those categories. The Levin Spoonfo's influence was not lost on critics, though, because in their joint review of Revolver for Record Mirror, Peter Jones and Richard Green both praised the song and... McCartney's vocal, with Jones adding, it reminds me somehow structurally of some of the spoonful stuff. Paul's great, a voice with character, power, but also subtlety. Watch the fade finish. And then writing in Crawdaddy, another uh, periodical, British periodical, uh, Paul Williams commented at the time, the impact of the love and spoonful on British groups is excellent evidence of how alive rock and roll is today. Everyone learns from everyone else and the music just keeps getting better. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I mean, that, there's no better definition of rock in the 60s than, than, than right there because the, the rivalries and the, the friendships and the influences and the inspirations, I mean, it, it, you see it everywhere. I mean, Brian Wilson, Bob Dylan, the Beatles, and just the, the rivalry with their rivalry with the Stones. I mean, it, it was so you know all-inclusive that I, I, I do. I love that quote. Good day sunshine, good day sunshine, good day sunshine. I need to laugh, and when the sun is out, I've got something I can laugh about. I feel good in a special way. I'm in love and it's a sunny day. Good day sunshine Good day sunshine Good day sunshine As an aside, Good Day Sunshine is also a popular pick for the wake-up music on space station missions. In November 2005, McCartney himself played it live to the crew of the International Space Station, which I found kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I used to wake up to a song. Um, you know, once once we started using, you know, our phones for alarm clocks and you can pick your song, I thought that was great. Yeah. Until I realized that any song I eventually I would hate because it <laughs> reminded me of getting up in the morning. 
Uh, I think the one, uh, the Queen, uh, Don't Stop Me Now, was the one for a while was my wake-up song, because that really gets oh, me going. That's great a song. great song. Yes. But now I, I can't listen to it without negative feelings of having to crawl out of bed at 6 a.m. on a work day. Oh, you're kidding. So I'm trying to give myself some space so maybe I can come back to it again with, with renewed purpose. Oh, it's Probably my favorite song by Queen. I know, but it's a great wake-up song. Yeah. But you know, you know how you feel in the morning when you just want to, you know, throw the phone at the wall. That, well, that's when you choose a song that you already dislike. Right. You know, have have your Groundhog Day moment. That's a good point. Just just I begin with choose. I got you, babe, and call it a day. <laughs> call it some, a day. Some earworm. No, but then it'll be an earworm that'll well, be that's, in my that's true too. head all day. So yeah. I just I just use whatever generic <laughs> beep. <laughs> So I'm curious. If, I, I don't know if you have the Beatles. It doesn't. I do sound, not have the Beatles. Does not sound like. I do it. not have the Beatles. Um, would you have gone "Good Day Sunshine" or "Here Comes the Sun"? Uh, again, it depends on your playlist. If you like, you say it's a pretty bouncy, poppy song, which is which is a lot of fun yeah. and reminiscent of summer. So that's a great choice. Um, if you were looking to you know vibe out a little bit because all of your songs were like that, then you could have gone with um, you know. Um, here comes the sun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think both are great choices. It just depends on what kind of uh, spirit you're going to go with. Yeah, and that was my problem. So <laughs> I'm still not convinced I chose. I made the right choice. But good day, sunshine. It is. I love the tune. Um, but here comes the sun. Definitely, definitely my favorite of the two. But that would be selection number one. So it is your turn. All right. What you got for me? Uh, this one might be a match. I could see this. Um, staying in the sweet spot of the 80s here from 1985. Um, this is a song that could easily have been one of those earworms that I described that I could, you know, you know, not able, not be able to listen to, you know, after being bombarded with it for you know, several decades. But for whatever reason, this is one that I never get sick of. And it's uh, Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. It it made my short list, but it did not. It 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 never made uh, my my twelve or my alternates. So no. kind of like don't stop me now. This is a song that I don't care how bad of a mood I'm in. If you play this, it's gonna it's gonna lift my spirits. Oh, it does. You know, I, I read an article not too long ago that said that it's it's the beats per minute because and it's funny because you've now referenced the the two songs that the article said are the best. Oh, the best songs to to raise spirits. Um, Don't stop me now. And they've done like psychological studies, lighting up the brain on their on their monitors while they played these songs. Don't stop me now. They found to be the happiest song ever recorded. Oh. And Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine, was number two. That makes sense. Number three, for what it's worth, was Uptown Girl. Oh, <laughs> so which I can think of better Billy songs. But I, again, it's about the beats per minute. Right. And, you know, right. But no, I. I love that. I will tell you this: for a while, I had it, and as I started doing my 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 background, I don't know what you have here, but there's a lot of hatred for this song. No, I know there is, and I could, it, it's one of those songs that could easily, you know, it walks the line between it does being incredibly annoying. So I can see those people out there that hate the song, um, but for whatever reason, for me, it it, it works and it's yeah. always worked. So. I've I've always loved it, and yeah. I, I've never understood why so many people just hate it but you got the horn section like yeah. you say you have that 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 rhythm uh just a, a great vocal you know it's a great pop song absolutely song. anyway i, I no I, that's fine i just uh surprisingly sorry. enough uh this was actually a ballad at first um then they just you know this happens a lot you know someone will write a ballad and and it's okay and then someone in the studio will say hey you know let's let's try uh perking up kind of like in the uh that thing you do right right started as a battle 
started as a ballad. Um, but uh, in this case, um, I, I guess I'm trying to kind of imagine it as a slower song. But um, yeah, it just doesn't work as well. It's <laughs> so, not working at all. Uh, whoever decided to uh, to speed it up, uh, uh, I think saved the song. Uh, it's also surprising to me uh, that it never hit number one. This, to me, seems really? like a sure number one because it was everywhere. I would have guessed it did. But uh, it went to number nine in the U.S. That's as high as it got. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Written by Waves guitarist Kimberly Rue, the band wisely chose to hold on to the publishing rights for their music. However, the band agreed to split all royalties evenly among all members, which is an awfully nice thing to do for the songwriter to agree to because... Uh, the, the royalties from this song, I mean, in the millions, there were years, many years in a row where the royalties were, you know, over a million because of all the commercials and, oh, yeah. and TV and movie appearances of this song. And it's funny, some bands, for instance, you too, they write as a, as, a, as a band and they share songwriting credits despite maybe who had written the song. Um, and so they all share in that. A, a lot of bands that don't do that, that's where a lot of the animosity comes from, right? Because one member that maybe does the majority of the songwriting all of a sudden is getting fat paychecks and the other members of the band aren't. Right. And and so, like I say, it's, it's, it's a selfless thing to do um, technically, right? The songwriter <laughs> deserved to get a bigger pot of that. But to, for a harmonious band experience, it's probably a, a good sacrifice to make at least. I considered saving this for our eventual one-hit wonders episode, uh, but it just fit too perfectly here at the top of the list. This infectious, upbeat pop song that dares you not to feel better about the world by the time it fades out. Very nice. Yeah, no, like I said, it, it made my short list, um, you know, one, once I get down to 20, 25 songs, but I, I cut it, so I'm glad, glad you brought it uh to the to the episode and and again i don't know how we're going to sequence these you know at the end of next week's broadcast but uh but this is one i can see easily at the top of uh, of the mixtape without question i mean it, it's, it's it's just a great starting song yeah, with that it's, with that uh, it's definitely going to open one side of the the mixtape either side a or b it's just a killer opening track so all right well my next one here's where the vibe really begins the beatles kind of set it up but my next one is not summer specific, okay? But you'd have a hard time telling that by the by the lyrics. The, the song title is Sunny, and it is a soul standard from 1966 by Bobby Hebb. Actually hit number two on the Hot 100. Uh, it, it's actually an uplifting love song. Um, it, it, the singer, Bobby Hebb, he, he sings about... Um, 
how love has brought comfort through his pain. And unlike many songs with with this message, Sonny is very ambiguous here. Okay, uh, it it's not referring to the sunshine, but rather to a love interest of, of of some sort. It could apply to a man, a woman, parent, child, lover, friend. It could even be about God. Some some music critics have speculated that perhaps it is. Um, but listeners, you know, they mostly interpret the song to be about a woman. Um, but this was in part because the album from which it came, also titled Sunny, featured a photo of a beautiful woman on its cover. So I, I think that was... How is it spelled? S-U-N-N-Y. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Hebb never attributed a specific inspiration for the song. But the death of his brother, Hal Hebb, who was also a musician, uh, on November 23rd, 1963, that would be the day after JFK was assassinated, so he lost his brother the day after JFK passed away. Um, the death of his brother was a formative event in his life. He, he explained that the song brought him balance and hope for a brighter future, a message that connected with, with many listeners. Hebb once said in an interview, I was working at Brandy's, a bar and restaurant in New York City on 84th, close to 2nd Avenue. I was under the influence of Tennessee s- sipping whiskey, highly under the influence, as a matter of fact, I was so under the influence that I was afraid to try to go to sleep, and I looked up and I saw a purple sky. I had my guitar in my hand, and without touching a pencil, I started writing the song, and that is how it was born. I hit the nail right on the head. Sounds like a Hendrix moment, purple sky. I want to try you know. some of that whiskey. Yeah, a Tennessee sipping. Now, what is sipping? Is that just Jack Daniels? He, I mean, he's sipping it. Not meat. being an aficionado of whiskeys, um, I'm going to just take a stab at the fact that you know some 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 whiskey of the less um, uh, quality, you just take shots oh, right yeah, with a chaser. Yeah. But I would say uh, probably a, a better tasting aged whiskey. You're going right. to want to sip and enjoy and savor. Well, no, and I, and I agree. And I, I I I love bourbon i mean it's my go-to drink and i i can name for you the you know the bourbons that you want to sip but they're all kentucky um you know sour mash i'm a i I don't know the only tennessean whiskey i know is jack daniels but i digress anyway uh going back um frank sinatra james brown stevie wonder marvin Gaye, hundreds of other artists have covered this song share uh, recorded it in the 60s as a tribute to her partner, Sonny. Uh, and, you know, Hebb's original, though, is the only version that charted in America. Uh, Hebb died in 2010 at age 72, and at the time of Hebb's death, Sonny was listed as the 18th most performed song in the BMI catalog. So uh, it's just, it is just a, oh, it's a glorious tune, and it, it has that summer vibe, and it, I mean, Obviously, a love song, but the you know the lyrics play into this summer theme so perfectly, and you know I, mean, I just I love '60s soul, so it was it was a, a sure bet for me. Sunny, yesterday my life was filled with rain. Sunny, you smiled at me and really eased the pain. Now the dark days are done and the bright days are here. My sunny one shines so sincere. Sunny one so true, I love you. Sunny, 
Thank you for the sunshine you gave, Sunny. Thank you for the love you brought my way. You gave to me your all in all, and now I feel ten feet tall, Sunny. One so true, I love you. You mentioned the Kennedy assassination, and it reminded me of another um, Sun song. The Beach Boys, in response to the Kennedy assassination, Warmth of the Sun. wrote yeah. Warmth of the Sun, which I love that song, but um, a little little morose um, yeah. <laughs> for this broadcast and doesn't quite fit, but great, great song. Yeah, no, it is. And yeah, Wilson has said, um, he has confirmed that it was about Kennedy's assassination, right? I yeah, know. I mean, lyrically, it, it isn't, but well, the, yeah. the mood of the song is, right. is was his response, his emotional yeah. response to the news. Right, and I've always read that, but I didn't know if he'd ever actually confirmed it or if it was just speculation on no, the I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he confirmed it. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's pretty well known, though. Yeah. yeah. All right, good choice, good choice. I'm going to stick with 1985. You know, I only have... In my 12, I only have one song from the 80s. Really? Only one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we may not match for Sweet a while spot here. in the 80s. In 1985, and I'm going with an obvious choice here, Summer of 69 yep. by Brian Adams. Yep. Has to be on there. Not just because it's a great, you know, 80s staple, but because it's, you know, about the spirit of summer, about hanging out with your friends in the summertime as teenagers. Uh, this was one of my favorite 45s as a kid, too. You know, I think we both collected 45 records. It was oh, a big deal yes. to save up the $2 to go to Camelot Music and, you know, maybe every week or so buy, buy a 45 here or there. And um, did I tell you I gave mine to someone that had a jukebox? You I got to go visit there sometimes so yeah. I can listen to them. You did. So, so I'm sure Summer 69 is, is on there somewhere. It's very selfless of you. I don't think I can part <laughs> with my 40. You know, that that's my bucket list item. I want a Rockola or a Wurlitzer. So, yeah, my 45s are collecting dust just waiting for the day so. well the deal is if i ever get my own jukebox they're they'll oh, give me the records back. back so i just i mean they're being used it's better than just being but no, no that's very true so. mine mine i i have i have the turntable but i never pull out my 45s you know, i just throw on a, a full album if i'm gonna right turn it on right i, I keep interrupting no no it's fine <laughs> it's dialogue uh, this quote pop dressed as rock song never gets old for me Very I remember with some of the earlier Brian Adams I kind of thought oh yeah this is kind of a, a he, he's kind of a rock artist and then we realized he's just more of a, a pop artist that you know has has guitar <laughs> heavily in some of his songs uh, I'm not trying to take it away from him but he's not uh, he's not nearly as as hardcore as I thought he was you know back in 1985 right um, another song from 1985 which shockingly never hit number one only went to number five. Wait, this one never hit. Never one hit number either. one. Number five in the U.S. I would just for the longevity of of I mean, this song is everywhere. Yeah. it's never gone. No, away. no. How did it not hit number just one? Didn't. And talk about longevity in Canada. All right, it's the number one digitally downloaded song by a Canadian artist of all songs released before the digital era. So you know how like Journey, Don't Stop Believing is the number one digitally downloaded song right. before the digital era. This is uh, from a Can- Canadian artist in Canada, so I guess that's kind of specific. But you know, there are a lot of great Canadian artists. So yeah, yeah, this, this song's number one. Well, no, I, and you have a connection there because Brian. There is a lot of history between Brian Adams and Journey. I mean, he toured with them. Yep, yep early, early in his did. career. So. Um, so they can they can write uh, long lasting. Yeah, compositions, and yet we let him off of the 1991 mixtape. <laughs> yeah, well, 
God, that song. <laughs> Everything we do, listeners, we do it for you. So uh, yes, we, we left we left it off. Sorry if you're a fan of the. Uh, <laughs> Sappy romanticism. <laughs> the, the, this song was written by Adams and writing partner Jim Valance. Valance still claims, I got to be careful how we discuss this issue, still claims, because we're a family podcast. Ow. <laughs> we're talking about the year. Jim, okay. Jim Valance still claims the song is to be taken at, at face value, lyrically, right? About a group of teenagers in 1969 that are just enjoying their summer, hanging out, doing things that teenagers do in the summertime. Uh, but Adams admits uh, that the song was indeed written with a sexual connotation in mind, uh, supported by the little line that he sneaks in at the end of the song. And a friend of mine, a coworker of mine, will you know, will listen to the song sometimes and and debate um, that if if it's what he's actually saying at the end. And I, I won't get into it here. You can go back and listen to yeah, it, I'm, but. I'm- now I'm I'm trying to I'm going through the song and I can't even think. What it starts out me and my baby and then oh oh okay. yeah right right and and it's it's not the most obvious lyric and you can probably hear it several different ways but uh, it's pretty much confirmed he did throw that in and, and then they just kept it in track which if it would have been too obvious they wouldn't have obviously allowed it uh, on airplay huh. in the 1980s but you know I I have never and you know I I I, I can do raunch as well as anybody i've never thought of this song in that context i just always took it at face value i, yeah. didn't, I didn't even know people didn't take it at face value so. yeah in fact adam says it's, it's all a metaphor for you know his his teenage sex life really <laughs> yes i wow and, and, I, and, I just, and, to, and, and to support that adams was nine years old in the in, in the summer well, of 69 yeah, so, yeah. so just, it can't be autobiographical true but so he could have picked the summer of 79 yeah but it doesn't probably it doesn't work as doesn't well, work phonetically Never summer '69. I've just, I mean, lyrically, you know, it, it tells of a, a right. failed romance in the summer of 1969. About a, about so. a band breaking up and not being able to stay yeah, together, I which, mean, you know, is yeah. kind of that. Um, you know, you hear a lot of bands talk about that. Do do we settle for real jobs now that we're you know right. eighteen nineteen? The pressure is to go off to college, but now we have an opportunity to to maybe tour some small clubs and see what happens and couple members of the band are like, no, I'm going to college, and they break up the band, and the other ones are like, no, what do we do? And it's, it's funny, because I know people that went one route, and they didn't make it, and after a couple of years, they went to college, and they're living typical lives now. And obviously, there are people that took that risk, and it paid off, because they became professional musicians for their entire lives. But yeah. it kind of deals with that a little bit as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a song soaked with the reverie of teenage summers? Um, and And... You know the whole garage band idea, right? That kind of goes goes along with it. You know, it's kind of a sad song too. I mean, he does. He loses his band. He loses his 
you know, the girl of his dreams. It's it it, it falls into that cat like one of the great songs, and it would not have made this list because it it would not have been it would, just would not have worked. But I don't know if you're familiar with Jonathan Richmond at all. Mm-mm. He's he's uh, now he's he's kind of delved more into the the indie folk. Uh, I mean, I've heard the vibe. name. I just have but to but he to started. Him. He was actually very heavy into the new wave. I mean, he was one of the most influential artists early on. Um, he has a song called That Summer Feeling and it is just it's lyrically it's just it blows me away it's all about growing old and just longing for the the summers of your youth Summer 69 kind of has that same same vibe but it's well disguised because it's so upbeat and so driving you know but it's the point in most people's lives where they have to make that really first big decision yeah do you go to college? Do you take a gap year? Do you, do you get a job somewhere and, and decide? Do you, some people at that point now, as the generations go past, people are getting married later and later. But but during the 1960s, 1950s was very common for people to, to yeah. get married when they were 18, 19 years old. And so, yeah, it's kind of that, that point of that first big life decision that people have to make for the trajectory of their lives. Yeah. Well, and, you know, they also had to make some hard decisions before they were drafted. Oh, well. of course. I mean, yes. that, was, that yeah. was a very real. Some, you know, some young men, a lot of young men in the sixties didn't get to choose, right? Um, and where they were going to go when they were eighteen, nineteen years old. Yeah. Um, now it's great. Song. I, I just didn't even. I'll be honest. I didn't even think about yeah. summer since yeah. It never. I. I'm kind of, kind of embarrassed to admit that I. I, no, I no, 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 no. It's it just. It, I. I'll be truthful. I didn't either until my coworker. <laughs> said we were debating that line at the end and we were listening to it closely and yeah, it pretty much sounds like he's saying that and then I thought boy I wonder if the whole song's just a metaphor and here you have the two songwriters and one says it isn't and one says oh yeah definitely so I suppose you can co-write a song and have different yeah. intentions and the blend becomes a song that you can hear the way you want to hear it well and, and that's just that's the very idea of, of good art but but I just yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't call this good art. Well, no, no, it's a great pop song. <laughs> no, yeah, what I mean though is right, you right, know, right, it's right. up to to the the listeners' interpretation. Definitely, definitely. Um, no, I just I've never never yeah. thought of it in that context. I also did not think of using the song for this episode. Summer '69, oh, just a fun one. I it, 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 just a brain fart, I guess. It never even. I, I just completely forgot the song existed when I was making Well, some people, list. you know how people mishear lyrics? Yeah. Okay, so obviously some people have always interpreted this way because one of the the first line is misheard by a lot of people. The first line is, I got my first, first real, real six string. string. Some people interpret it, I had my first real sex dream. <laughs> You're kidding. But then the next line doesn't make any sense. Bought it at the five and dime. <laughs> right. Played it till my fingers bled. It was the summer of 69. But well, yeah. it... If that were the first line, <laughs> then the remaining first first verse is a very disturbing. Yes. <laughs> I, I I don't want to know what he's playing with at that five and dime, but I, I still um, no. It's definitely a six. I, again, I didn't know anybody ever misheard that line. It's you know yeah. he he pronounces it and enunciates fairly yeah. Yeah, well. fairly well. Wow, the things you'll learn. Okay. All right. Let's just leave it at that. We're, <laughs> we're a family podcast, folks. Moving you have to on. read between the lines. All right. Um, well, my next selection is another summer anthem uh, from the mid-60s. I had a lot of 60s going on here for a while. Um, it was another summer anthem from the mid-60s, and it is the only tune on my list that doubles as a tongue-in-cheek protest against high progressive taxation. 
Uh, of course, I'm referring to Sunny Afternoon by the Kinks. Now, despite the title, it's not a breezy, carefree summer song, uh, but it is. I mean, it, you know, very much uh, what we were just talking about. It's it's definitely got that vibe. Um, yet, uh, you know, Ray Davies' tune, it taps into, you know, English musical tradition. It has that jaunty, wistful melody, but but in the song, he plays a rich kid who's been busted out by the tax man, scrapped by his girlfriend, left with little more than, quote, my ice-cold beer lazing on a sunny afternoon in the summertime. So it's it's kind of like the Beatles' tax man as satire is what it is. Well, when you started talking about the song and introducing it, I thought tax man, but I'm like, you already used the Beatles, so you can't well, yeah. use tax. Well, tax man wouldn't have It wouldn't have worked, worked anyway for no. a thing, but that's the only tax-related song I could think of oh, off okay. the top of my head no. from the 1960s. Yeah. Heck, for all the rock era. <laughs> True. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it just, it's not, you know, it's about a guy who loses everything, but he's enjoying the sun is is kind of the, the point of the song. Uh, it was written by... Uh, Kinks frontman Ray Davies, uh, when he was going through a very difficult time. The Kinks were in the midst of a sudden rise to stardom, but group tensions, lawsuits, and an unrealistic workload and, and craven management made them miserable. So Davies, he was also dealing with fatherhood at the time. So he actually, I never knew this, he left the band for a while during this stretch. I never knew Ray Davies. What, what year is this song? Uh, this was 66. 66, okay. Yeah, he actually left the band uh, for for a stretch. Uh, it was while he was on leave from the Kinks and recovering that he wrote Sunny Afternoon, putting the music together first and then creating an alter ego to voice his feelings. Uh, according to Davies, the only way he could interpret how he felt was through a dusty, fallen aristocrat who had come from old money as opposed to the wealth he had created for himself. And because he feared that listeners might sympathize with this sad, decadent conservative, he turned him into a scoundrel who fought with his girlfriend after a night of drunkenness and cruelty. That's the lyric. Uh, Ray Davies was suffering from a bad cold. Like, well, I don't have a cold. I just, it's allergy season. So sorry if I'm sniffing, uh, overly sniffing on this. But um, he was suffering from a cold on the day that he recorded the song. And in an interview with Rolling Stone in 2016, he said, I did it in one take, and when I heard it back, I said, nope, let me do it properly, but the session was out of time. So that was the vocal. I heard it again the other day. I was 22 when I recorded it, but I sound like someone who is 40 and has been through the mill. I really hang on some of the notes. It's a joyous song, though, even if it's suppressed joy. I had real fun running that, he said. Now, here's here's the where I kind of... Pull the, the rug out from under you, though. I love the original version. I love the kinks. Love the kinks. But I decided to take the opportunity. I'm going to bring a bit of jazz to the mixtape. All right. Uh, the version I'm going to include here is a cover of the song by jazz vocalist Victoria Hart. Uh, it's from her 2007 debut album, Whatever Happened to Romance. Um, it, it's likely that a lot of our listeners are unfamiliar with Hart. She was discovered in 2003 by producer Jeff Gerd when he heard her singing in a French vineyard on holiday with her parents. She was just 15 years old at the time. Shortly afterward, uh, Hart recorded for the first time at Gerd's recording studio. Um, Hard, Gerd, and Lynn Pearson formed a team of singer, writer, producer, and manager who together with a promotional team developed Hart's debut 
album. It was released in June 2007 for Decca Records. So whatever happened to Romance peaked at the number 22 position on the Billboard Top Jazz Album list. Um, her style, it, it's been described as a renaissance of all things kitsch and fabulously 40s. And Decca music mogul Mark Cabell has praised her as one of the finest jazz vocalists performing today. Um, it, it's no secret. We've talked about my love of jazz, and I, I very seldom bring it in. But her version, again, I, I, as much as I love the Kings, her version is much closer to the summer vibe I was looking for than the Kinks original. Oh, okay. And and I actually, you know, I played both to, for my wife, and like me, she said, hearing this particular cover, she said that's, she feels that's how the song was meant to be performed. Taxman's taken on my door And left me in my stately home Blazing on a sunny afternoon and I can't sail my yacht He's taking everything I got But all I got's this sunny afternoon Save me, save me, save me from this squeeze I got a big fat mama trying to break That combination of sunny and and uh, in the summertime, my my tunes are about to get very laid back, moving to the end of this particular side. So I'm glad that you have the upbeat stuff. Well, mine's my next slowing one down. isn't. A, my next one isn't. My next my next one's a vibe song. So okay, well, well, that's why we sequence them, folks. Yes. Okay. Well, let's hear what you got. Well, it's it's a boss tune, so I don't know if we're gonna have a face off. I did not use Springsteen. All right. See, I didn't use the Beatles because I figured you'd have it and you knew I'd have Springsteen, yep, so that I works out. I knew you'd have them. So. Uh, and, and, and there are a lot you can choose. Uh-huh. My gosh, um, half of his catalog encompasses the spirit of summer. Yes, it does. Um, you know, cars and, and girls and uh, working in the summer and, you know, getting off of work. I, th- I thought about Out in the Street for a while, which is a great um, song about, you know, working hard in the summertime and then being able to, but that's more of a summer nights thing because you're... Well, and... Yeah, you know, getting off of work and then seeing your friends. Yeah, and, so many, so many of his summer songs are summer nights right, songs, really. Right. Um, yeah, well, okay. I, so. I went with Late Boss on this one, and okay. uh, it's funny because I, I you know, I, I like Late Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I yeah. You know, and it's it's solid, but but sometimes it's hit or miss. You know, as far as the album goes, you know, there are we a lot of the deep tracks are a little bit weaker. And did you go girls in their summer clothes? I, I did. I okay. did. One of my favorite. Yes. tunes it's, it's on magic yes that's um, correct one of my favorite tunes but see i i thought that that was largely taking place at night is it is it a daytime song well he's just he's just sitting on a bench in, in watching the, watching girls, girls walk by on okay. the beach or on the boardwalk or whatever huh. so yeah because yeah. i i didn't go back to to listen because i yeah. i already had my list but i i i thought about the song briefly 
but again, I I just I, I mean, there's nothing in the lyrics that that, that I caught. Now okay. I'm not a, not a lyrics person, right. but well, no, 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 I'm not challenged. I've never you. seen it. The, just, the only thing in the video, it's it's I believe it's shot in the winter time. Well, yeah, which and so I he's kind found, of lamenting you know, about the summer. Right. But, uh, no, I, it's a great song. I, I I just took a step back from the, the boss. I've, I've used him. Yeah. I've used Bruce just, a few times right. already this season. I. I think it's shorter. I, I just love the song, and I had to use it. But I, you know, I'm more likely to listen to earlier Springsteen albums. Okay, uh, once in a while I visit some of the later albums. But uh, I have a friend, actually the same coworker, where we discussed uh, Brian Adams, who was a big Boss fan, but pretty much quit listening to to Springsteen. You know, in the early '90s, and so I was saying, hey, there's some really big, you know, bright spots in his later catalog. So I made a, a mixed CD for him. Oh, there we go. Um, and I tell you, is it, you know, like I said, hit or miss. But if you take the cream of the crop for the last two decades or so of Springsteen. There's a really, it makes a really, really nice mixtape. Oh, yeah. And uh, Girls in, in Their Summer Clothes is definitely a highlight of oh, that. It's one of my favorite songs of, of his late career. Yeah, 2008, by the way, like you said, from Magic. Proof that Springsteen can still write a killer pop song late in his career. Uh, this song perfectly captures one of those perfect summer afternoons where there's a cool breeze and nothing to do but watch the world go by. And it, it, it blends Effortlessly with with the string of songs that I I have going on right now, so it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. great choice. I love the tune. I just and I, I I did think about it. I I just for whatever reason I didn't go back to listen to it. And I from memory, because it's been a while since I've I've heard it. I I don't know why I was thinking it was a nighttime song. It doesn't matter. It's on there now, and it's a great tune. <laughs> so love it. Yeah, uh, you know Springsteen's time in the top forty had. Well, I'm going to pass, obviously. I think his last... Well, The Rising. The Rising, did that hit top 40? I, that may have been the last yeah, one. But, I was but, thinking Streets of Philadelphia. Course. But um, but uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Just, not, not that he was ever a chart topper. Oh, no, no, no. Um, you know, with, with a lot of singles. Born in the USA was, was his... He, he's, he does well now on the adult contemporary charts right. and, and the modern rock charts. Not modern rock, they call it. Um, it's, it's not modern. It's, it's another chart now that... Just further proof that rock is no longer the... <laughs> Uh, main genre. It, um, no, it's not. There, there's a rock chart, right? That's separate from the from the top forty. And he does well on those, but um, he still does well with with, with rock Grammys too. Um, actually, he he won the Grammy in 2009 for best rock song for Girls in Their Summer Clothes. Uh, apparently, it's such a common occurrence for him. He didn't even know he was nominated. Uh, <laughs> Love it. He learned he won the Grammy uh, that next morning when he opened the newspaper and found out that he won. <laughs> Which shows awesome. you that they don't even feature that Grammy on the award show because he would have been invited to right. accept the award. So it's been relegated to, you know, how on the Grammys, when they're, I don't know, I haven't watched the Grammys in a long time, but, you know, there are so many of them, unlike the Academy Award which there are only, I think, 24, 25 for the Academy Awards. For the Grammys, there are hundreds of them. And so when they would go to commercial, they would give you a list of ones that were not featured in the show, like best Latin spoken word folk song, you know, right. or, and so forth. And so, uh, yeah, he didn't even know that, that he was nominated. So I think he won two in a row. I think Radio Nowhere won the best rock song from the same album the year before. But based on when they were released, somehow they covered both years. But he's, he's won a lot of those rock awards. Like I think most of his albums, I think probably win the Rock um, Grammy Award when it very comes nearly, out. yeah. Um, but to me, this this song is more than just about summer. It's about contentment. Mm-hmm. When I listen to it, contentment with aging. To me, that that as we are aging, okay. Um, right now, I'm reading a lot of biographies. Uh, we start thinking about our legacy in life. 
those things. That's just, I think, a normal thing that happens when we near 50 and 50 plus. And I, I just see this as somebody sitting back on bench content with life. And it's not a, it, it could very easily, some people could say this is a creepy song because he's sitting on the bench watching these girls walk by and <laughs> having thoughts. I don't see it that way at no, all. No. I think he appreciates beauty for what it is, but it's he knows that it's beyond his reach, right? Maybe this character is content and married, can still appreciate a beautiful woman walking by in her summer clothes, but not have it be creepy, not have it, like he's not gonna approach her. Right. He's not wishing he could date her. He's just appreciating the beauty. Well, and here's what I, I again, I haven't listened to it to my shame because Magic is one of my favorite Springsteen albums. It is my favorite of the later uh, later albums of his career. But um, from from memory, though, lyrically, he doesn't objectify the women. No, he, no, no, he's, no. You know, just, that's not that's not the point of the song. He's right. just like you said, just. Part of it is just the fact that, do you remember in college, and we went to Bowling Green, we've mentioned on the show before, uh, where the weather is even more severe than in North, <laughs> Northeast Ohio, yes. if that's possible. Don't you remember that first kind of spring-like day when all the girls would be out on the lawn, you know, trying to get a tan, you know, like the 65-degree right. sunshine? Uh, but yeah, everybody, it was, you know, I love that time because the girls were wearing their summer clothes, you know, yeah. it was just a sign that summer was around the corner. So for me, it's not even just about the fact that he's watching these girls go by. It's just the fact that it's a hopeful time, the emergence of right. summer when we kind of transition. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think time with aging, like I said, during one's life, the, the, the truly simple things in life. I think as we get older, that's something, at least for me, that I'm more contented with. It's no longer about material things. How much can I, can I get? How much can I accumulate? Um, I just appreciate, you know, sitting on my deck and bird watching. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, so many things happen. He he really does bird watch, do. folks. <laughs> but I do appreciate that. I like to go for walks and hikes in the woods. I, yep. I, I'd rather go for a hike in the woods than watch a, another TV series. I mean, I still watch. TV series, oh, but right, yeah. but uh, I really try to balance it because I really appreciate just being outdoors more. So it kind of you know to, to me it's kind of personal in that way. In 2008, I'm sure I didn't view the song in the same way that I view it now. No, because I'm more the characters I think age in the song. I'm probably getting close to the age that Springsteen was when he wrote this. Song. Yeah, even a little bit older. But uh, well, um, Springsteen's manager John Landau describes the track. I love his description. Okay, the E Street Band performing Pet Sounds esque arrangements. All right, so my next pick, um, it is by British singer-songwriter Corinne Bailey Ray, and it's from her self-titled debut studio album uh, that was released in 2006. It's one of my absolute favorite summer songs, and I have literally included it on every summer playlist, every summer mix that I have created since 
the song was released. I've literally never heard of this artist. <laughs> okay. Well, the name of the song is Put Your Records On. Oh, okay. I know okay. that song. I know it is. I, it is just, it is to me the, the very, oh, it's just the perfect summer tune. Not only is it, you know, is it just that vibe and the sunshine? Uh, I mean, the song begins with a Bob Marley illusion, no less. But I mean, it's all about the music. It's about getting lost in the music on a summer afternoon. And it's just, you know, to me, I self-identified the moment I heard the song, and it has been a favorite ever since. The message is, it's simple. Life is better spent with your hair down listening to records. Um, it, it was written by Bailey Ray, uh, John Beck, and Steve Christenthal, um, and it was released on the, as the album's second single uh, in February and early March of 2006 throughout Europe, and as the lead single in North America. Uh, the track was a commercial success. It topped the UK R&B chart, and it peaked at number two on the UK singles chart. Uh, on our side of the pond, though, it didn't do as well. It peaked at only number 64 on the Hot 100, which I have never, never understood why it stalled at 64. I almost was going to save this song for our, um, you know, the the greatest songs in the last 20 mm-hmm. years that didn't chart but it, it's much better placed here yeah it, it it died at number 64 um it was despite that fact nominated for record of the year and song of the year at the 2007 grammy awards which i didn't look this up that might be that might have set a record i don't know that there has ever been a song that has failed to hit the top 40 that mm. would then be nominated for I know there are albums. Albums, yes. That but, do very well that had no commercial success. Right, but Song of the Year, I I, I should have looked that up. I that I I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was nominated. It did not win, um, but it was nominated for both Record of the Year and Song of the Year at the 2007 Grammy Awards. Um, so the Recording Academy clearly agreed with me on the song's appeal, even though it did not fare well on the, on the Hot 100. What's worse is that a t- Terrible, it's just got awful. <laughs> Terrible cover of this song is now uh, getting major airplay. It's by American indie rock project Rit Momney, which if you've not heard it, thank your lucky stars. It, it, it destroys the song. I mean, it's well, let me ask since I, I, I mean, I've heard, I'm sure I've heard the song at some point because it sounds familiar. Because I remember hearing the title, hearing the song at one time, and it reminded me of. Um, What's the song? I think it was a cover, but it was uh, maybe it wasn't a cover. Rod Stewart and, and Elton John, and they sang about putting on the old Motown music and oh yeah, just, uh, the Motown song. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of it seemed like that. And, and yeah. the fact that she used the word record, obviously, all recordings are technically records, but it conjured up images of actually putting vinyl on the turntable. Yeah, but I'm not sure if I'm correct in that. But no, no, yeah. that's what she's okay. talking about. Okay. Yeah, she's talking about vinyl. Um, yeah, the Motown song that was uh, Rod Stewart and the Isleys. Oh, okay, it wasn't Elton no, John. Not, they what, did another one together. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but um, oh, great song, Motown yeah. song. Um, but yeah, Rit Momney <laughs> has last year, twenty twenty, released a cover of this song. It's just now getting major airplay, but it is already climbing the charts. It's going to chart higher than her version, and it's no, oh. it's, it's her. Is, is is her version? What's what style of genre are we talking? It is. Like dance music, hip hop. No, 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 no. It's 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 an art, slow R and B singer songwriter. And, and they are they like a they, punk band or what are they doing? No, with it? they they're not doing anything 
particularly well with it. <laughs> it's, but I mean, have they sped no, it up? Right. Have they changed no, it and made it their own? If anything, they've made it slower at times. It, it's just a very awkward cover. What's I mean, the name of the band? Is the Rit Momney? To me, that make, to me it sounds like they're it a novelty sounds like band, a novelty band, like a right? Blink One Eighty Two kind right. of thing, where they're going to take a song and and do something. No, with they're, it. they're indie rock, but I mean, it just. We'll have to play it afterward. Okay, you yeah. know, so you can hear it afterward. And I, I refuse to put it on the alternates list, though. I do not want this <laughs> on the alternates list. Um, but yeah, I we'll we'll play it, you know, before we um, or after the the episode's over. But um, what happened was their particular version, the cover, um, it, it it's reached commercial success largely because it went viral on TikTok. Yeah, is, is what happened. So yeah. there you had the social media influence of you know our lovely youngins um of the song's success though ray uh told billboard magazine that it was a shock to her she thought it was going to be much more of an underground record because it was underproduced, which is very true it's very acoustic um she said i wasn't expecting that reaction at all and the song's opening line as i said it begins with a bob marley illusion uh, it begins three little birds sat on my window and they tell me i don't need to worry Three little birds sat on my window And they told me I don't need to worry Summer came like cinnamon, so sweet Little girls double dutch on the concrete Don't have any matches yet not yet can no. we can we go through an entire episode without a match no we'll, we'll match you think yeah uh, in my mind i'm guessing we both have at even, least two or three even longest. like a side can we go one side without matching we may we'll i we're i my next two are not going to be on your list well if they are i'll be really surprised my so. next two i'll be surprised if they're on your list okay so, so we're, we're gonna go an entire side all, all right. right well we are gonna start with because I have two that, that relate in title only. Okay. okay. First one. <laughs> okay, so I have my guilty pleasures. This would have run on my, my guilty pleasure list. We're, we're not going to be able to do a guilty pleasure episode because I think I've burned all of my. No, I, there's still plenty of them out How, there. Oh, come on. There, no, there's there still are plenty. far too many guilty pleasures for you to have I guess, I guess my point is this is not a song that most people would, 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 would say that I am a fan of. In fact... Um, I was kind of a closet fan of this artist when she was at her peak, um, uh, at least her first peak. Uh, I didn't tell too many people that I listened to her music. And when I finally did kind of let people know that I felt she was legitimate, people were really surprised. That's Lady Gaga. Okay. All right. I love Lady Gaga. And uh, 2008 was The Fame, which was her first you know, breakthrough um, record. And the song that I'm going to choose is Summer Boy. Not sure if you're familiar with it or not, because it's kind of a Gaga deep track. No, I, I know it. Yeah, but it was you know, and it was included on the Fame. Although it was this, here, this dates the track. Uh, it originally premiered in 2007 on her MySpace page. 
Isn't that weird that MySpace seems like ancient history now? It, it really does. Yes. Um, but yeah, I know it's perhaps the lightest, most inconsequential song on my list. No, it is the lightest, most inconsequential song on my list. But it was one of my favorites on that album. It was a springtime I remember back in 2008. And I remember listening to the album uh, in heavy rotation. And when this song came on, I was just, man, I got up and, you know, if nobody was looking, would dance. I love it. Um, I'm not even sure if a song could be lighter than this, right? I mean, yeah, no. Or more fun. One, two, According to Gaga, the song is simply an ode to summer flings, right? Where both people know it's not going to go past the season. And that's what I love about it. There's no deep meaning here. There's no metaphor. Um, it just it conjures up images of, of being young, maybe going on spring break or going on vacation, uh, hanging out and partying with a bunch of other people your own age. Um, yes, maybe you found someone of the opposite sex uh, that you are um, having, having fun with for a few months, but you know that, 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 that you know, it's, it's not a grease situation. You're not going to wind up um, at home finding the other person going to your high school and right. have them be your lifelong love. So, now, And there are so many summer fling songs, really. I mean, Vacation by the Go-Go's is one of the first to come to mind. Right, right. Um, but you're right. I mean, there, there's probably nothing lighter on no, no. the list. So. But it's it's a lot of fun. In fact, I was playing the playlist for my wife. We were driving somewhere and, you know, anytime I have a playlist getting ready for the show, I force her usually to listen to it in the car. Uh, my, my, yeah. <laughs> she, she knows, she, but just as a quick aside, she she listens to our podcast, which I'm not really sure why. <laughs> I'm like, why are you listening? <laughs> but uh, she does. So, and, and my wife is not one to just do things just to, to you know, do them. I mean, apparently, if you're listening, thank you. But apparently, she finds some value in it. But anyway, um, yes. So I was playing this in the car, and uh, she said, "I'm really surprised you like this song." And I said, "Well, you know, I like Lady Gaga." And she said, "Yeah, but I don't really care for this song." So maybe, maybe it's just me. The fact that it was a deep track and, and it didn't become a hit or anything, not even a single. I just think it's a great song. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Summer flings. I, I stayed away from it. Um, there was one that I thought about briefly. And that was uh, Suddenly Last Summer mm. by the Motels, mm-hmm. which, again, I only have one track from the 80s, and it's not on this side of the, the mixtape. But um, to me, it was it just had that very melancholic feel to it, and it, it wasn't what I was looking for. But, this um, doesn't. This has. Yeah, this, this, is par- this is all party. It is, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, no, it's an interesting choice. I did not see that one coming. So, um, 
but that's that's part of what makes this fun is the eclecticism of it all. So very cool. I, I, yeah. Oh, that's that, it. That's okay. I was going to say. <laughs> there's really nothing else. Yeah, to say. I was going to say. I don't know how much deeper you can go. No, there's, there's nothing <laughs> but, else. All right. Well, my my last pick made allusion to the reggae master. Now this is time. your last pick? No, this is number five. Oh, okay. Oh, your last, no, the, your previous yeah, pick. Corinne Bailey Ray. Understand yeah, because that. Okay, I thought open, you meant. No, no, no. Opening line of that song was an allusion to Bob Marley. Now this is my fifth pick, um, which means I still have one more to go after this. But um, now it's time to bring Marley to the table. And I realize I have had Bob Marley on my alternates list on this podcast four times, and not once have I ever actually brought him to well, hell I picked I picked White Snake over you Bob Marley you'd over is this love yeah. um, last episode it was, so. was it is this love or could you be loved I don't remember which is one this love had. is this love yeah um, yeah I'm still ashamed of you for that but. well I explained <laughs> anyway, my reason you did and it was perfectly justified it's not a better song Marley got a better song but yeah, I explained perfectly my reason perfectly justified well I'm bringing Marley and this may be the first time he has made an appearance on the on our mixtape. I'm, I'm not really sure. No, I sure. think, uh, didn't we, was it on the 4th of July? Uh, I, th- I thought one of the ones last season I picked mm-hmm. one, but maybe did not. Did you? Or okay. for uh, our beach, maybe not. I just thought I did. Can't yeah. remember. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Go, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> well, we'll have to go back and check. I thought this would be the first. Well, the the one that I chose, uh, is, it's a summer classic uh, by Bob Marley and the Whalers. Uh, it opens with the reggae icon singing, Sun is shining, the weather is sweet, make you want to move your dancing feet. Which is really ironic because it's far more likely to inspire you to lay outside with a frosty beverage in your hand than to get down. Um, you know, really, I, I'll, I'll just preface this. I, I think that that's true for all reggae, actually. You know, the, the genre is always a good fit for summer because reggae is music that comes out of a sunny place. It, it just is. The genre has a very chilled, very relaxed vibe to it, which... Is, is what you want when you're in the sun, chilling and relaxing. So it's perfect for sitting on the beach, spending time with friends for the backyard barbecue. That said, though, this one, and, and the name of the tune, I haven't given that to you yet, it is Sun Is Shining. Um, this one is mellow, very mellow, even by Marley and Company standards. But it is the perfect choice to soundtrack a chilled out afternoon in the sun, which is what I was looking for. Um, the song first appeared on the Lee Perry-produced album Soul Revolution in 1971, then again on African Herbsman in 1973. But Marley later re-recorded the song for his 1978 album Kaya. <laughs>
in 99, a reggae fusion remix by Bob Marley versus Funk Star Deluxe apparently reached number one on the U.S. dance chart and number three on the U.K. singles chart. And I guess it's been widely credited as one of the songs which led to the popularity of reggae fusion. I'm going to show my ignorance here because I have no idea what reggae fusion is, and I was really shocked to hear that Bob Marley reached number one on the U.S. dance chart. Hmm, so yeah. I'm going to – and I should have listened or tried to find this and listened to it prior to today's uh, podcast, but I, I just didn't have time. Um, although having become one of the most popular Bob Marley songs, though, Sun is Shining used to be a fairly unknown and seldomly performed number during Marley's lifetime. Up to date, only two live performances are documented. Uh, however, both took place under special circumstances. Marley performed the tune in 78 um, at the Music Inn in Lenox, Massachusetts. It was a concert uh, having been rescheduled twice since 1976, and he played an over two-hour set that day. Sun is Shining was the opening song, reportedly included spontaneously as it stopped raining. And then he played it only just one other time. It was in July of that same year. Marley performed an outdoor concert at the Santa Barbara Bowl that included Sun is Shining uh, as the opening song. And just before the song, Marley introduced the performance by referring to uh, Haley Celeste's birthday on the on the same day. This song um, was first recorded by Marley in the late 60s, re-recorded for 78's uh, Kaya album. Um, it is uh, Bob Marley's highest British chart placing, um, and it did, um, you know, it, it, it was never released here in the U.S., to my knowledge. I, I couldn't find... Uh, ranking for it so on any of the billboard charts uh in the liner notes of africa unite the singles collection last thing i'll say about the tune island records boss chris blackwell wrote that the original version of sun is shining was produced by lee perry i loved his production which was very sparse but the version we re-recorded for kaya has a great atmosphere too we tried to reflect the essence of the song which is saying the sun is shining but don't forget that people are suffering too which I want to just throw that in there because the the song does talk about you know some some of what's happening that the media is not covering that you know people are not paying attention to and how you know that sunny day may not be that sunny for for some people but it never it never you know distracts it never, it never takes away from just that positive sunny vibe of of the song itself so it it's one of my favorite Marley tunes is one a lot of people don't know. It, it really is kind of a deep cut. Well, it's not on Legend, so that's yeah. why people don't know it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But it is it is mellow. I mean, it's for Marley. It's mellow. So, like I said, this this side egg gets really kind of chill for. Well, me, we won't so. we won't pair it with Summer Boy. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably. not. I think we have the two opposite ends of the spectrum for yeah, our mixtape. Yeah, we here. just yeah we just bounced from one end to the other yeah. in two songs. All right, sir, you're number five. Right. Well, um, last song for me was Summer Boy, so I think it's only fair that I go with Summer Girl. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, pretty sure this is the most recent song I've ever picked for the Gen X mixtape, 2019. I don't think I've, I've chosen anything this current. No, that's probably... It's from, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, one of the most solid bands of the last decade, 
Heim. Are you familiar with Heim? Yep. Three sisters from LA. They've been releasing their brand of pop rock since about 2007. Just really, really, really good stuff. So if you haven't checked out Heim, do yourself a favor. Check them out on Spotify or Apple Music. Um, this song was written to give hope to Daniel Heim's boyfriend and a band producer who was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, now, he's he's fine now. He's in the clear. But at the time, obviously, he was feeling a little bit down. So she kind of wrote this song just to kind of lift his spirits. And so Summer Girl, it's not in the same vein as Summer Boy from Lady Gaga. It's not a song about partying. This song is more about being there for your friends, you know, supporting somebody else who may be going through a rough time. Um, the song actually was kind of also inspired by Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Really? So much so that they voluntarily gave him writing credit. Yes. And you can really hear it. Yeah, you, you can hear it in the, in the melody. You can hear yeah. it in, in the bass line. Yeah. No, now that you say that, I just, I, I just never made that connection before. So she had actually, um, Danielle had actually written uh, musically. She'd actually played around with it on, on GarageBand on her phone and kind of got the rhythm down. Um, and then they went, you know, she wrote the lyrics and, and they went to the studio and they re- recorded it, but it still was kind of missing um, an ingredient. Um, and, and there's a little sax riff that's laid on, over top of it throughout the song that really just kind of makes the song. And it kind of jazzes up, you know, Heim's not normally, you know, jazzy. No. Um, it it, it kind of takes their music in a different direction, which is nice. In fact, the, the song is, was kind of an afterthought. It was put on as a bonus track from, from their album, uh, Women in Music Part 3. Um, and it's, you know, Pitchfork gave it a great review and Pitchfork doesn't give uh, anything a good review. So no, it, talk about music snobs. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just came kind of a sleeper hit, hit. I don't mean hit in the way of top 40 success, but hit in the way that it just became known by a lot of people who, who follow their music and yep. so forth. Um, it was also just a, a little note here. Um, the video, by the way, is great. Um, several of their videos um, have been directed by Paul Thomas Anderson which you don't think of one of the great directors of, of the 90s and, and the 2000s as you know, directing music videos. But he, he, um, there's a family connection. I think, I think their mother was his music teacher when he was a kid. Really? So yeah, there's kind of a connection there. Uh, and of course, there's a connection from Cleveland because his dad yes. um, was a local you know, television personality here. But um, yeah, he, he directs this video. And uh, the story, the way I heard it was they kind of just went in different parts in L.A. And, and just started walking. And they had the camera in a wagon, I think. He had a camera just pulling in this wagon in front of the, the girls as they're walking. And they're kind of shedding their, their, their clothes as they walk. And they become more appropriate with summer attire by the end of the video. There, there are a few um, 
a few bands that that come out of you know California that that really in Ohio I've never heard anyone speak of them really. Um, but, you know, Heim would be one of the very few people that I've talked to. Well, I spend my days largely with kids being a teacher, and this is definitely not. Well, my day. daughter said, now, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, I guess you will know Heim because Taylor oh, really? Swift and um, they've worked together on some project. I guess there's a, there's a, a few songs or an album, my daughter said, where, where Heim actually backs up really? Taylor Swift. So. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, okay, then I stand corrected, but I've, I've still never heard... You know, it's just not a band that right. people talk about. Right. So, right. No, was, Which is why I'm looking forward to, to doing that 2000s, oh, yeah. post-2000 uh, episode, because there are a lot of great bands making music that yeah, people don't know about because the distribution's changed so much these days. Yeah. That's that's slated for late this season, too. I think it's one of our very last episodes. Yeah. So, you know, suspense, folks. So, again, it's another vibing song. It's a great, it's a great walking song uh, for someone now that here's another... More proof that I'm an old old man. <laughs> uh, I, I wake up every morning at six in the morning and I walk about five miles. And uh, this is a great song to walk to. <laughs> As I was listening okay. through some of the the tracks, I'm like, yeah, this has that, you know, like walk on the wild side. Yeah, very very sim- similar beats per minute. Yeah, I can definitely see that. All right, well, we are to my final selection uh, for side A, um, and. Here we go. Released in May of 1991. Came out just as we were graduating high school. I decided to go with Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, It's, you know, it hit number four on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, It's just a steamy hip-hop jam that that quickly at the time heated up the radio airwaves thanks to its catchy chorus and clever wordplay. Um, It's warm. It's a, it's, I don't know. I think of it as a warm, breezy reminiscence about growing up in Philly. I, I didn't grow up in Philly, but I mean, but, you know, it's autobiographical. Um, and, you know, all the good vibes of a typical Will Smith single. But it also was a more mature effort, really. Um, it didn't have that playful novelty feel to it that, you know, the duo were, were known for up to this point. Uh, since then, the song has become an annual staple, and it's surely played during the three hottest months of the year, uh, you know, everywhere that you go. In fact, Rolling Stone placed it at number nine in 2013 when they uh, basically determined what they felt were the best summer songs of all time. So Summertime hit number nine on that list. Um, Rolling Stone said, over a funky laid-back beat, a young Will Smith does a fantastic Rakim impression over a sample of Cool and the Gang's Summer Madness and drops a sweet ode to hanging out and driving around his native Philly. Um, frankly, and I'm still quoting, frankly, we'd be amiss not to include it on uh, our, our list, is what Rolling Stone said, and we'd be amiss not to include it here on this week's mixtape. So uh, the track was the lead single from the hip-hop duo's fourth studio album, titled Home Base. The song was produced by Chicago-based producers Hula and K Fingers, and it spent a week at number one on the U.S. Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart, and it became their highest charting single on the Billboard Hot 100 again, peaking at number four. Drums, please!
here it is, a groove slightly transformed, just a bit of a break from the norm, just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control, it's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance, give me a soft subtle mix, and if it ain't broke then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause it's summertime It uh, went on to win the Grammy Award for Best Rap Performance by a duo or a group at the 92 Grammy Awards. But there was some drama surrounding the category that year because Public Enemy, who were also nominated, boycotted the show because the rap awards were not televised. Uh, and they said it disrespected inner city contributions to the music industry, much like you just said about Springsteen. Right. There, there's some. They're gonna they're gonna choose the genres that are hot because they want viewers. Right. And at the time, rap was at the time just kind of yeah. breaking into the mainstream. Now, of course, it definitely is televised now. But yeah, hip hop was not. Uh, you know, rap was not televised at, at the time. Um, some people suspect a public enemy boycotted for for other reasons because this was the third time that they had been third time in a row, third year in a row, that they were nominated uh, for the, the Grammy. And but wait this, a minute, Public Enemy and, and DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince or whatever, that, that, that was yeah. yeah. So he had the same name as the TV character. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking they changed, well, I was thinking that he changed it for that, whatever. They were in the same category? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they were both hip-hop and rap. That's like, duo or, it's like, or, yeah the, the actual category was best rap performance by a duo or group that's like putting the Beatles and, and the Backstreet Boys in the same category yeah, yeah kind hmm. of but anyway yeah some people suspect Public Enemy boycotted because this was the third year in a row that they were nominated and it would be the third year in a row that they lost so but they did bring up a good point and, and you know the rap Grammys were soon televised uh, thereafter now, here's the thing. I just want to point this out, though, because while I love this song and I've listened to it countless times through nearly three decades, it wasn't until I began preparing my list for the podcast today that I really scrutinized it. The, the closer I inspected the lyrics, the more I began to really wonder about them because what, what I've never noticed before um, is that the song raises some serious space-time continuum concerns. All right. Okay. Take, for example, the following verse. It's late in the day, and I ain't been on the court yet. Hustle to the mall to get me a short set. Yeah, I got on sneaks, but I need a new pair, because basketball courts in the summer got girls there. The temperature's about 88. Hop in the water plug, for old, old time's sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more, because you're invited to a barbecue that's starting at 4. Okay? So, first of all, Smith notes that it's already late in the day. But how late can it be, or, or how late is late? Because he then states his intention to hustle to the mall for new sneakers that he can then model at the basketball court for any potential paramours who might be on hand. And that's a lot of running around alone, okay? Which he has to do quickly because he's invited to a barbecue that starts at 4 p.m., which in my mind is late. Is, and 4 p.m. still is not late in the day. So 
right there you have you have a bit of a conflict um but yeah my internal clock is already you know confused then after all that the prince takes a quick rinse in the water plug and then returns home to change his clothes a second time all before the barbecue at 4 p.m wasn't he wasn't he like a suburban philly kid no i why no i thought i thought he was suburban i you know i don't know you know Cooling off in the fire hydrant usually isn't a suburban no, thing. No, that, that's definitely. I'll have to look it up. I had the impression that he's Philly, but he was I suburban. I, Philly. I thought he was inner city, but I, but I don't. I don't know. We'll have to look. Anyway, it up. anyway, go but ahead. anyway, yeah. So where is he finding the time to do all this? Does he arrive late to the cookout? Did he bring anything to the, the party? Probably ba- not. You know, a bag of ice, maybe just to be polite, mm-hmm. because that would only further delay his arrival. You know, I, my son would say that these lyrics are pretty sus. That's that's my new word because they taught it to me. Sus. So, um, God, I'm showing my age. I probably should not have admitted that. Uh, regardless, yeah, it, it and the song continues from there. I mean, he just he just keeps layering and throwing all these things in to this one magical summer day that it is not possible to do in one day's time. And I, I never really noticed that until again I was preparing for the the podcast today. Um, yeah, I believe our Fair Fresh Prince is not on the level with the lyrics. Not that that matters, though, because to a lot of Gen Xers, and I know this is not necessarily our particular genre, you know, that, that you know that we know a whole lot about, but to many Gen Xers, this song remains the, you know, perfect as is. It's unassailable. Uh, it's just a dreamy ode to the fairest of the seasons. It checks off pretty much every summer essential, from shooting hoops on the street to dancing at a barbecue and reminiscing about your first kiss. But the real joy of summertime is that it's so easy. Time to sit back and unwind, trailed the, the breezy singers at the chorus, and that's all any of us really want on a sunny day. So, all right, well, what is your last pick for side A? All right, my last pick for side A um, is probably one of the most enduring classics in rock and roll history. Okay. It demonstrates the spirit of summer perhaps better than any other song on my list, Brown Eyed Girl. We have a match. Oh, I was going to say we were going to make it through the entire side without brown, a match. Brown, I, well, brown, well, it's not on this side. Oh, okay. Because well. I just gave you my last for side A. Gotcha. It, okay. is, it is my second song on side B. Ah. So. 1967, right. Van Morrison was just breaking away from, from his uh, group Them. And uh, boy, this song is. Now, you probably know this. It was originally titled Brown Skin Girl. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, when I tell people that, they they, they think I'm. I'm, you know, lying to them. He, he wanted to fit that Jamaican Calypso sound of the song. There's, there's a hint of that in there. Uh, probably a good idea to, to change the title as yes. time would well, have looked as favorably on well, the song. Well, it was also going to be about an interracial right, relationship. Right, right, right. Which, which would have been controversial. Which, yeah, at the time, it probably would not have received radio play. But uh, like, kind of like Elton John's Island Girl, which fetishizes a woman's race. Right, yeah. It, could, it probably wouldn't have fared well kind of in today's yeah. political climate. But um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> Brown Eyed Girl, much, be- yes. much better, more universal. Although I would have obviously supported challenging the, the mores of the day and, oh, and having a song about an interracial couple. Yes. Um, it's just the, the song itself sounds more like a fetish than an than a right. actual romantic well, relationship. And the irony is that the song 
still was banned from a lot of radio stations because of the line making yes. love in the green grass. Correct. So, it was too pornographic <laughs> for listeners in the late sixties. Right. So they uh, overdubbed an earlier version of uh, an earlier verse so they could play it on, on airplay. Yeah. Uh, eventually they've corrected like all the compilations you can buy and the albums now have the correct version. But right. yes, that was uh it was, that was a no, no back then. How do we go from that to, to what? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, anyway, making love in the green grass. It's so, Innocent, <laughs> it yes. just. But yeah, they had to replace it with laughing and a running. Laughing and hey, a running. Hey, hey, yeah. hey. So. Morrison, due to sign a poor contract, uh, has never received royalties for this song, which is a shame since it's the most streamed and downloaded song of the 1960s. Yes, it is. Now maybe it's just sour grapes when Van Morrison says he never really cared for the song, saying it's not one of my best. I mean, I've got like 300 songs that I think I like better. Probably just angry that he's not receiving any revenue from the most downloaded song of the 1960s. I think that's certainly part of it. Um, the, here's the thing about Van Morrison, though, is that he he's never been one to actually sell out, I, I guess. And he, in interviews I've read with them and, and doing my own background, he always felt that this song did just that, 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 that just its popularity you know, put him in a very uncomfortable position, and in many ways, it, it was kind of like an albatross. You know, it, it, it made it very difficult for him to go back and to kind of, you know, descale that that popularity and go right. back to a more acoustic folk. People wanted another run out girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Playing a new game Laughing and running Hey, hey Skipping and jumping In the misty morning fog With all our hearts thumping And you A brown-eyed girl When I was a kid, I because you know I didn't know anything about music, and so just listening to music, you know, my dad's music in the car or whatever, I thought this was a Stone song forever. Really? Yeah, yeah. In fact, to the point when I started buying my own music, I was disappointed when I bought I bought a Rolling Stones um, greatest hits album at the time, early '80s, and I was just disappointed that Brown Eyed Girl wasn't on there. And then I found out it wasn't a Rolling Stones song. Huh. I. I I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can hear that. I mean, yeah, to me, it fit in that whole era of of kind of the, the you know the late '60s stones. Yeah. Kind of. Well, well, here's the thing. Musically, I can kind of see it, but I I don't think. No, the I mean two vocally, sound it's no, vocally, but, but musically, yeah. it just it, it. I didn't know a lot of late '60s music at the time, so yeah. it seemed. No, that's that's fair. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. In fact, I thought what was there was another song I thought was a Simon and Garfunkel song, and ended up being I don't know there there were a couple I just had to kind of learn. Oh, yeah. What song belonged to whom? Yeah, we, we all did that, you know. Folks, if you are one of our younger listeners who has grown up in the digital age, you do not understand how challenging it was to find music and to definitely to actually discern, you know, ambiguous lyrics without the internet. Right. You know, we, we spent our entire childhood and, and many of our adult years singing the wrong lines to songs that we didn't know, you know, we didn't know who sang them, yeah. what, on, what album you could find them well, on. Well, a great example, so. if it was a song that, that wasn't on a compilation um, and you went to, in our case, Camelot Music, yeah, 
if they didn't have it in stock, like especially a 45, like if I didn't want to buy the entire album, right. um, if it wasn't a 45 that was currently popular, you know, you weren't getting, yeah, you, you weren't getting the song. You didn't find it. You had to buy the album, and if it was a deep track and they didn't have that album, then you were you're out of luck. So yeah. now, some place, some of the smaller places would order stuff for you, which was nice. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean that that's the wonder of you know technology. I we talk about the nostalgia and and I do. I miss the mixtapes. I miss that you know that just that that you know that feel in those years and that time and that you know just that special you know moment of of our adolescence and coming of age. But it is kind of nice to be able to go online and you know, with a click listen to any song that you want to hear whenever you yeah. want to hear I mean it. in some it's, cases it devalues the experience but in other well, cases it, it evens yeah. out I remember my I, I'd send my dad on wild goose chases sometime I remember seeing uh, Ian Hunter's All the Good Ones Are Taken on MTV which is still one of my favorite pop songs of the 80s was never a big hit unfortunately I don't know why boggles my mind anyway i wondered i said hey dad next time you're out or whatever can you give me this 45 well it, it wasn't they didn't have the 45 not, not everything on mtv translated right. well to america if it True. didn't do well on mtv oftentimes it didn't get released and uh, especially in, in canton ohio they might not have you know the backlog of, of the hot 100 they probably only had the top 40 i remember those displays uh, he was such a great dad they didn't have the single but he, he bought me the whole album so i could have the song that's so. awesome yeah all right, one last point about Brown Eyed Girl. We are both English teachers, so let's just throw Oh, this the up. hyphenated? Yes. Yes. yes, uh, yes. Today's lesson in grammar, folks. <laughs> it is a compound adjective. Yes. So it should be a hyphenated brown hyphen eyed. Um, that is correct. Um, though, you know, some people claim they're wrong, but some people claim that the punctuation mark isn't necessary in a song title. That's BS. Well, we it's, talked about how it's always necessary in our, in, in our last episode. The lack of question marks, right, in many of the songs that we chose. Well, and even uh, yeah, because I had "Lay Down Sally" and it should be "Lie Down." I, the grammar is always uh, people. Are, uh, Steve Miller band's the worst. Oh, they're they're <laughs> awful. I used to in class we we bring up I'd play different tidbits of, of pop songs and have kids find the gra- you know grammatical mistake. And Steve Miller band was a favorite of ours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know it's. It, Paul Simon's just as guilty. I think of Cecilia, which you had. Yeah, right, you know, right. I fall on the floor and I laughing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just, uh, I don't know. I'd, I am far from a, you know, I, I'm not a grammar Nazi. I don't come, go after people and correct their grammar, but it, it doesn't mean that I don't cringe. Well, there's there's it. breaking the gra- grammatical rules that make sense, and then there's just awkward grammatical mistakes. And, and, and Steve Miller bands, he, he just, oh, yeah. <laughs> he had some of the, the, trying to rhyme, like some of his stretchiest rhymes, just trying to make like, I, I like Steve Miller band. He's a fun. He's a fun musician. But um, lyrically, I think he, it was an afterthought. He just <laughs> he just tried. Oh, that was good enough. All of his lyrics are like, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. Well, to me, and I do. Taxes in Texas. He rhymed one yeah. time. No, I do. I love Steve Miller. I, I always have. But he, yeah, he is a he was a very lazy. <laughs> Very lazy lyricist. So, uh, musically, I, he, there's a musician who just he cared about the music, right? You know, lyrically, he he just kind of threw anything into the mix and said, "I'm done." <laughs> so, all right, well, that's it for our side A. Yeah, there's nothing to sequence again. You'll if you if you want it, the playlist, it'll be in the order we presented them today. Um, but that playlist, once side B is introduced, will change and it will be the entirety of the. Mixtape from start to finish. Um, Want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Jay Callahan Painting. 
Uh, it is now summer, perfect time to get your, your home painted. Uh, so if you've been waiting to do that, she serves the greater Cleveland area and she is phenomenal. She can do whatever you like. Just uh, look for her on uh, Facebook and then you know, give her a shout. Let her know that you have some painting needs and let her know that Gen X Mixtape sent you. And don't forget, you can listen to our playlists on Spotify. If you just search Gen X Mixtape on Spotify, you'll get both the podcast and um, our playlist. But you can also just jump over to our website at genxmixtape.com where you can find all of our episodes and all of our Spotify playlists, as well as uh, some other content that Alan's been putting up, um, some information about what we do and kind of our philosophy of, of making a mixtape and so forth. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of threw out... Uh, a while back on, on social media, I, no one really, there weren't any bites, so I, I kind of let it go. But um, I, I kind of threw out the question, you know, that or, or asked if people would like to share their stories of mixtapes they made or that they received. And there wasn't a lot of interest, which kind of bummed me out because I, I was looking to actually get some testimonials from, from our listeners on there about mixtapes. But um, hey, I'll, I'll say it here on the podcast now if anyone's interested. But certainly, you know, Please, if, if you like what we do, leave us uh, a review on on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. Um, leave us uh, a review on Facebook if if you'd prefer to do that instead. Um, we, we just really you know want to grow our audience, continue to grow our audience, and the more help we get from you, our, our faithful and loyal listeners, uh, the easier it'll be to do that, and reviews bring in new listeners. So uh, we'd appreciate your support and your help. But certainly we are just glad that you've decided to join us and that you are listening in. And uh, again, continue the dialogue. If there's something that you think should make side B, you know, let us know. Reach out, email us. It is uh, podcast at genxmixtape.com is the, the email. Yep. And we look forward to hearing from you. All right. Well, I suppose that's it, folks. So hot funk, cool punk, even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject. And we will see you on the flip side. 